Okay, let's do this. All right, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come with your power and your glory. And I ask you, Lord, to set us all on fire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Made for Greatness podcast. Podcast where we unpack what it means to be made for the greatness of God himself. This isn't a worldly greatness, as I've often said. This is God. We have to make our room in our hearts for stretching our hearts, purging of the vinegar in there, the sin, the ego, whatever it is, and just filling ourselves up with the water of life. I want to, uh, today I was um, reading today's readings, and today it's from um, the Exodus chapter 16, and for and I was prompted a little bit to read ahead, to go by, to go back, not to read ahead in the book, but re, I guess to go back into chapter 15, and the the heading in this particular section of my Bible, the RSV, Ignatius Version, is Bitter Water is Made Sweet. And so I read this a little bit. I'm going to read this to you too. Bitter Water is Made Sweet is the heading, and it's chapter, Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 27. Then Moses led Israel onward from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. And the people murmured against Moses. And this word murmur is to stop, especially at night, and to stay permanent and to be obstinate. And when I read that definition of that word for murmur, it's um, uh, lin or lean, I think the, is how you say the proper word, but the Hebrew word. But I think of a, a petulant child that just stops and say, no, I'm going nowhere. And man, buddy, like I say petulant child, but I've done this in my adult years. I've done this. No, I refuse. I will not move. I will not budge. And it's also, this word is also used to imply nighttime. So I wonder if it's just a, if this happened at night, they're traveling on their journey, going, moving forward. And in the nighttime, Israel says, enough already, enough. What shall we drink? Verse 25, and Moses cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. I, I think that's, I, miracles happen you know, but this could very well be a, a practical thing. Like maybe this is an, a normal thing. Maybe it's a tree that has sugar in it. I, you know, I, I got no idea. I don't think that matters too much, but we shouldn't read that and dismiss, dismiss it. And I've said this before, and I, I really want to say this every time, maybe to myself and to everybody, but don't dismiss the miraculous just because there's a um, practical explanation for particular things. And we need to abide by the practical explanation. doesn't mean that the miraculous doesn't happen. And so just never forget that. So there the Lord made for them a statute, an ordinance, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give heed to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon you which I put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. I'm going to stop there. When I, when I read this stuff, I immediately, let me read that again. If you, will dili if you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, then I will put none of the diseases upon you, which I put upon the Egyptians. So these Israelites were brought out of Egypt. They saw what happened to the Egyptians. They saw the diseases. They saw the plagues. They saw the, the death of the firstborns. They saw these things in their lived experience. I don't know how long, how much time has passed, weeks, days, months. You know, I, I really don't know. Um, but time has elapsed. Still, it's pretty safe to assume that, that 
these events were fresh in their memory. And so God is saying, if you don't want that to happen to you, listen to me. And then he goes on to say, for I am the Lord, your healer. And that word a healer is, is a beautiful word, Rapha. And it means to repair, means to mend, it means to, um, to, to heal, to cure thoroughly, and to make whole. So I am the Lord your God who makes you whole. So we have this invitation at one, on one hand for a relationship with this God who loves us. But it's, it's like God wants to try and bring them into him. And I guess he obviously knows their hearts and he knows where they're at. And so it seems like they're, they're following him out of fear of, oh gosh, we better obey this guy. Otherwise those plagues are going to happen to us. And really look at all the grumbling they're doing. And I can understand to a degree they're really tired. You know, they've been walking for days, months, weeks. And they're starting to murmur against Moses. And they're starting to lose trust in this God. They keep saying, we're better off in Egypt. We're better off in Egypt, despite all these things happening around them. And it reminds me of a friend. This was years ago, the year 2000. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember the year 2000 too much. There was Y2K. There was this virus going on um, about uh, like a computer virus or whatever it was called. The clocks weren't... weren't um, they weren't going to reset and you know what was going to happen were the computers all going to shut down is a airplane's going to fall out of the sky is all of a sudden our lives going to just end in 2000 um and then there's a, a comet that was in the sky a couple years prior that was meant to signal sort of the end times coming and i had a lot of people that i knew friends and i don't mean that i don't mean to um, put anybody down by saying this story but I had a lot of friends that, that were 100% convinced that the end of the world was in year, the year 2000. And so what they did was they stockpiled stuff. They stockpiled dry goods, toilet paper, water, clothing, you know, anything they could possibly need. Some of them had shacks, like sheds built. They filled up their entire basement rooms with this stuff. All of it just in case the world would end in 2000. And by ending, it's not like the world's going to blow up. But like that's when all of the tribulation that is foretold in the scriptures we're going to happen, that everything is going to just stop. And in that moment, all of Christianity is going to be severely persecuted and there'll be major martyrs. Some even went on to think that that's the end of time, like it'll end in 2000. You know, and I'm sure that every single time that there's a millennial change, this this happens. I'm sure that um, year, the year 1000, everybody thought everything was going to die. And the year 500, everybody thought everybody was going to die. You know, all these different milestones and years probably everybody was convinced something was going to happen so a f this particular friend of mine whose family had stockpiled everything and they were 100 percent convinced this was happening was serving god worshiping god and and being a missionary but the basis of his faith was this is this fear of, of hell this fear of judgment in the year 2000 leading up to it you better get your soul in order or else your hell is your answer that's the only thing that's going to happen to you so he was serving God from this basis of this of fear. And his relationship with, with God was sort of based on this utility. Maybe I'm using Aristotle's words too wrong, but based on utility of if I serve him, then I get saved. And I won't have to suffer the way other people suffer. I'll I can, you know, some guys believe in the rapture. If I serve him, then I'll be raptured. I can avoid all this pain and suffering. And when we come back, it'll just be victorious and glorious. And, and that's exactly where Israel is at. You know, a couple times I've heard speakers make fun of the apostles because they're dumb, they say. Make fun of Israel because they're petulant children. But really, all these things 
are, are we're, we're reading ourselves here. You know, I've done this in the, in the middle of a journey, stopped and like a petulant child refused to budge until something happened that I wanted to happen uh, or didn't happen that I didn't want to happen. And this is the beginning of a relationship. But for a lot of people, I think that this is the end of their relationship, that it that it stays here in this relationship of fear. But God is constantly inviting us out of that first stage that I, I'm going to use this word infantile stage, but I don't mean to say it as if I'm not infantile in my own right. Like I said, I've done this in the past and I'll probably do it again in the future. All right. All of us are like little children. And we need to embrace that so that Jesus can can use us. Jesus can be in a relationship with us. We need to acknowledge our our, our infantile selves, but we can't stay there. You know, there's there's a difference between being infantile and being a child of God. There's a big difference. Infantile means petulance. It means somebody who's defiant, somebody who's not listening, somebody who's not obedient. And many of us are there. We can't stay there. We need to move away from there and really develop a relationship with this God who is our healer, this God who's going to make us whole. So we have this, on one hand, we have this accommodating God that accommodates them where they're at, acknowledging that they're not ready for a deep and intimate relationship in the same way that Moses potentially had it, and Aaron potentially had it, and probably several others of the Israelites had it. But he calls us in that same instant of, of telling the Israelites, if you don't want that, you better listen. And in that same instant, he says, I am the Lord who makes you whole. We have to respond to that and allow him to make us whole. Not for the sake of being fearful of, of diseases and, and, and um, pestilence. Not out of that. We have to move beyond that and go deeper in our relationship and in our friendship with God. I think that's a big question we've got to ask. Am I just serving God or am I his friend and serving a friend, helping a friend in the same way that you help your friend clear the gutters and his eavesdrops, you know, helping a friend cut his grass, helping a friend do his paper route, whatever it is that we help our friends with and serve our friends, we do that with Jesus. And we build up these friendships with people by talking to them, taking specific moments out of our day and out of our lives to be with that person in a real and intimate way where there's no other distractions. You're just there, just you and your friend looking at him and him looking at you and listening to his heart, hearing what's on God's heart in the same way that you that you instinctively pick up your friend's heart, his concerns, his, his joys. Learn to listen to the heart of Jesus. And move beyond the infantile stage of your faith. St. Gregory of Sinai. St. Gregory of Sinai is, is a saint in the Catholic Church. The Orthodox Church as well. He's an older saint. He was a monastic in the, in the 13th and 14th century. So I guess technically he was Orthodox. Who, practiced, who advanced the practice of uh, the Jesus Prayer. Which I absolutely adore. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Be merciful to me, a sinner. A perfect sinner's prayer, my friends. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the king of my life, the king of my heart. Come into my life because the name of Jesus is the only name that contains the presence that it signifies. If you've got a friend, side note, as usual, <laughs> newsflash, side note, uh, side note, if you've got a buddy who's a faithful Christian, in, in this faithful in the sense of maybe faithful in the sense of Israel, serving a God whom they don't want 
uh, to get bad stuff from like, like famine and disease or faithful in the sense that serving God, trying their best to move forward in in a friendship with, with Jesus. But if you've got a friend that, that uses Jesus's name in vain, you know, rebuke that friend, shame on that guy for knowing better, should be knowing better, but yet uses his name as a swear. The name of Jesus is the only name that contains the presence of God in the Orthodox saints. They got this down to a, to a T. Saying the Jesus prayer over and over again with our breath, with every beat of our hearts, saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Take a moment right now and do that. Take a moment right now, listen to the beats of your heart, and say, Jesus, with every beat. Jesus, Jesus. And know that as you're saying, Jesus, Jesus, that Jesus is here. He's coming into your life. Allow him in. And, and ask him to challenge you to move you away from any infantile stage of your faith that you might be in. We might not be aware of, of the babiness of our faith. We may not, might not be aware of that. And that's okay. Every single one of us, I think, have little baby, babiness of our faith. We all, we all have that. We just got to move away from that slowly, but slowly and slowly with every beat of Jesus' heart, listening to that heart, listening to his voice, seeing his face responding to him and moving forward with him because he loves you because he wants to make you whole so saint gregory sinai he says here the degree of zeal in acquiring stature in christ shows whether a man is an infant or a perfect man in the present world and the world to come i'm going to say that one more time i like it the degree of zeal in acquiring stature in Christ shows whether a man is an infant or a perfected man in the present world and in the world to come. What do you want out of your faith in Jesus? Do you want to remain an infant or do you want to be a warrior like St. Joan of Arc? What do you want? If you want to be an infant, Keep doing what you're doing. Kevin, if I want to be an infant, keep doing what you're doing, Kevin. You're doing great. <laughs> but if you want to be a warrior for Jesus, if you want to be a, a soldier in his army, St. Catherine of Siena, Knight of Christ, why are you afraid? I'm going to turn that to myself right now. Why am I afraid to step away from being an infant? I was talking to a friend yesterday. I had, uh, you know, I made a, I don't know if it was a mistake or what, um, where I was talking about to some group of friends that I don't know very well. I actually don't know any of them very well. A couple of times I chatted with them for a coffee, but I don't really know them beyond a coffee. And uh, I certainly don't know how often they go to Mass, and I certainly don't know how often they receive communion. And the idea of, of receiving communion outside of a traditional Latin Mass came up, and uh, I brought it up. <laughs> because I'm a jackass, that's why. So I brought it up. And not really knowing, I just presumed that all of them received communion as often as they could. I found out very quickly that they don't outside of a Latin Mass. If they can't receive on the tongue, they don't receive communion at all. And if they can't receive communion in a, in a Latin liturgy, they don't receive communion at all. And so there's, and so somebody in the group had said that, well, technically, um, you don't have to receive communion every time you go to Mass. And sure, that, that's, that's fine. My perspective is that 
What do you want with a relationship with Jesus? You, you want to do the bare minimum of receiving communion only when you need to, or only when you want to, when it, you know, whatever you're in, whatever situation you're in, fine, you, you don't want to receive communion outside of a Latin Mass, and there's no obligation to do that, as long as you're doing it within certain minimums. But what do you want? Are you really satisfied with doing the minimum? And I think this comes back to this, this relationship thing. Are we really satisfied with just staying at the minimum? Or, or do we want to become warriors? Do we want to become deeper in our relationship with Jesus? Do we want to grow deeper? Do we want to get stronger and stronger? The only way to get stronger is connecting with him. And the best way that we connect with Jesus is by receiving his body and his blood in the Eucharistic meal. That's how we really nourish our souls. The catechism encourages us, the church encourages us to receive communion as often as we can. And we should. And I say that, I'm going to say this word indictment, I say that as an indictment to myself. I work, my job is flexible. I make my own hours. I work when I want, as often as I want, as hard as I want. And there's absolutely room in my day to go to Mass every single day. And the, year after year after year, I make these goals. I say, you know what? I'm going to go to Mass once a week. Go to Mass once a week. I never do. I go to Mass on Sundays, sure. But I'm not saying just Sundays. That's the minimum for me. That's the minimum. For some, the minimum for them is receiving communion only when they can get it on the tongue. Fine. That's holy and pious. It's good. It's good to do that. But how are we un not unlike the Israelites who are merely just following him for fear of retribution? You know, I, I don't know if that's a good analogy, good comparison, but I think the comparison maybe ends, but I think the comparison is also, what do we want out of our faith? Do we want to just stay at that at that phase in our faith, the infantile phase of following him only out of fear of what the consequences might be if I don't follow him? Or do we want to follow him because we want to be in a friendship with him, in a relationship with him? Do we want to grow deeper in our faith? Do we want to know more of him? Do we want to listen to him? Do, do we want all of his grace that we could possibly receive as often as we can possibly receive all of his grace to live in our, in our hearts, to thrive in our souls? Not me. I mean, I'll say it again. I don't want to live the minimum life. You know, I, I don't want to live the minimum life. I don't think you should either. I think you and I, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, should try really hard to receive communion as often as we possibly can. I don't, I don't care about technicalities. I don't, I don't care about that stuff. What do you want out of your faith? Do you want to grow deeper or do you want to stay an infant? My dear friends, I want to become a warrior. I want to become a friend of Jesus. To do that, I know I need to do certain things in my life. I need to pray every day, whatever that is, five minutes, two minutes, 30 seconds, 10 minutes, a specific time every single day, reading scripture every single day, saying rosaries every single day. And I guess the rosary, I guess, could be an add-on, but at the very least, connecting with him every single day in a specific moment and receiving Holy Communion as often as I can, going to the sacraments as often as I can, 
celebrating the sacraments as often as I can and opening up my heart as big as I can to receive all of his grace because God wants to make me whole. He can only make us whole if we realize our need for wholeness. He can only make us whole in, in as much as we're aware of our need for it. So wherever you're at right now, pray with me. Come Holy Spirit. Renew my soul today. Come into my life in a new way today. Set me on fire with the fire and the power of your love. Glorify your name in my life today. Come into my heart completely and show me where it is that I'm an infant still so that I can grow into the warrior that you want me to be.